Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Podcast. We are continuing our Unshakable series looking at Daniel's fourth test. Daniel was asked to do the impossible. Tell someone's dream and then interpret it. Think about your dreams. They're so random, filled with mystery. And to be honest, if I could remember the details to some dreams that I've had in my life, they would make fantastic stories. They're so mysterious, unique, and entertaining. It's impossible to interpret dreams, let alone tell someone else what their dream was. So how do we handle being asked to do the impossible in our daily lives like Daniel was? Last pod, Daniel, when asked to do the impossible, he didn't panic, nor was he afraid. That's the first thing you got to do when faced with facing the impossible. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. Because the second you panic, you can't continue. I was riding with my daughter who's just learned how to drive and she has her learner's permit and she was going to a friend's house where she's never been to before, let alone driven. And when we got to his street, there was construction. There were jackhammers, people everywhere on the road, and she tried to navigate it through, but she had never seen anything like this before. Then there was this asphalt conveyor that was like over our car and I think it startled her. And she tried to navigate through all this mess. But when this, but when the conveyor was coming over and the jackhammer started and people were randomly walking right next to the car, she kind of panicked because she had never seen it before. She was faced with a tough thing. And I said, okay, I want you to turn around. Not on top of that, we didn't even have the address right. So the address was wrong. We're in the middle of this construction site and she didn't know what to do because she wasn't prepared. So I asked her to do a three-point turn and she just froze because she knew what it was, but she's never done one before, especially in this difficult situation. And at the moment I had asked her to do the impossible, she panicked. See, panic is a natural response. When we're facing the impossible, that's what we want to run to. But you can't do that. You got to take a breath and do what you got to do. So the first thing you got to do is when faced with the impossible is don't panic, especially me when I was sitting next to her as a teacher, I had to stay calm and I don't think I was calm. I raised my voice. So even I panicked a little bit and I knew how to handle the situation. So whatever, whenever you're faced with the impossible, don't panic. Second, ask why you got to learn all the facts and all the motivation behind the request. When someone asks you to do the impossible, you need to find out why they've asked it. You need to get all the facts involved and you need to find out the motivation for what they're asking. If there's emotion like there was with King Nebuchadnezzar, he's furious. What's fueling the fury? In this case, the king's clearly scared. He was afraid. He's had this recurring nightmare. He's scared to death. And now he's just kind of vomiting his fear out on everybody else. You got to tell me what my dream means. When people are panicked and they're in a crisis, they get emotional. Maybe you're going to work this week and your boss is going to come in and he or she is going to come down on you and say, you've got to get this done by this day. And you start to feel the pressure. What's going on here? In all likelihood, they probably being pressured by their boss, their supervisor, maybe the owner, whoever. And when they're feeling the heat, they just turn around and put the heat on you. And when they're feeling fear that they might lose their job or get demoted, then they start to talking to you about you losing your job. 
You need to know why, why the people are asking you to do this impossible thing. Daniel chapter two, verse 15 says, he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arach then explained the matter to Daniel. You can't figure out what to do without understanding the problem. See, we jump before we look, when in reality, maybe instead of jumping, we needed to duck. So don't panic and then ask why. Find out the reason, the motivation behind the ask. I love this paraphrase of the Living Bible in Proverbs 23, 23. It says, get the facts at any price. You got to know what's going on in order to move ahead. Number three, third thing you have to do. You don't panic. You ask why. Ask for time to create a solution. The reason why you need to ask for time instead of just immediately getting to work on it is because in a crisis, the greatest temptation you have is to be impulsive. Think about it. You're in a car accident. When you get out of the car, you're not thinking logically. You're not thinking rationally. You're thinking, oh no, my car. Oh no, how am I feeling? And you want to make an impulsive decision and you want to make it fast because you have this pain, whether it's pain in your person because your body hurts or in your car that now you have to get fixed. And it's more important to make the right decision than to make a fast decision. You see, the wrong decision is the wrong decision, no matter how fast or slow you make it. So when you're facing an impossible situation, take some time, step back, take a deep breath, calm down, talk to God. Daniel's asking for some time. There's no way I'm going to know the king's dream. But God knows the king's dream because God knows everything. So maybe God will tell me. So he's asking for time to create a solution. He knew he was going to have to spend some time with God. The next verse, Daniel 2.16 says, At this time, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. He's going to give it his best shot. Not just say it's impossible like the other guys did in the previous verses. He says, maybe God will tell me. I'm going to give him my best shot. I'm going to die trying, literally. (laughs) He went to see the king to request more time so that he could know what the dream meant. He went at once. Other translations say he didn't wait. While you want to take your time for the solution, you want to make contact with the person who has asked for the impossible solution as quick as you can. You don't procrastinate. This is pretty gutsy. He's a 17-year-old kid. The king has ordered his assassination. What does he do? He immediately goes to the king, confronts the king. That's courageous. I don't know if I could have done that. He goes immediately to the source of his pressure. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't procrastinate. He doesn't delay. He doesn't postpone. He doesn't get distracted. He faced the fear courageously head on. So here's a question. What are you procrastinating that you know you need to do? You've known you need to do it for years, or you still haven't done it because it could be painful, or you've known it for weeks. I know I've been procrastinating mowing the lawn. I was hoping to have it done before I went on in my trip to South Carolina. Check out the Road Trip Pod series to hear all about that. It's pretty entertaining. But when I got back, there was my lawn, all 15 inches of glorious weeds waiting to be cut. And before I kept putting it off, it took forever to get it done. I had to raise my mower up. I had to mow it like three times. It was awful. What is it that you're pretending isn't a problem in your life, but it's growing like weeds? (laughs) It's a thing that I do that I really don't like doing. It's not really an addiction, but I do it 
over and over again. I can't seem to stop. What is it? You see, procrastination never solved any problem. Delay doesn't make things better. It makes it worse. School starts tomorrow. And as of recording this on Sunday morning, usually I record on Thursday, but I was a little sick this week, so I had to keep putting it off until I was feeling good enough to record. My daughter had an assignment given to her in June to read a 200-page book. Well, there's one last day. She still has 50 pages left. Now, I hounded her all summer, but she kept putting it off, giving the excuse, saying, I have a plan. I think the plan was waiting until the last minute to read it. I hope she can do it today. But today is going to be stressful and difficult in our house. Procrastination doesn't help. Delay doesn't make it better. People say time heals all wounds. That's bogus. That's nonsense. Time doesn't heal any wounds. Even if you're healthy, if you had cancer, time isn't going to make it better. It's going to make it worse. You got to get surgery as fast as you can. You got to get treated. If time could heal everything, all you have to do is go to your doctor's office and sit there. Because that's what you do when you go to a doctor's office. Emotional wounds don't get healed either. Huh. Don't ever listen to that nonsense. Grief and pain remain strong over time. Don't ever believe that. So if you're still suffering from grief or pain from something that happened, you know what? That's okay. It's normal. Emotional wounds don't get healed over time. They get healed through other ways. But the grief and pain are always there. Don't procrastinate. Don't dawdle. Don't panic. Ask why. Then immediately go to wherever the source is and ask for time to consider the decision and courageously create the solution. Move against your fear. The only way you're going to get rid of fear is to move against it. You can't argue your way out of it. You can't talk yourself out of it. You can't. You got to move against it. You do the very thing you fear the most. Fourth thing Daniel did was the enlisted prayer support from his friends. Of course, Daniel knows he's going to pray about this. He's going to stay up all night and pray about it, but he knows this is too big for just him. The kingdom's in balance. The king is off his rocker. He's about to kill everybody in his court, all of his advisors, including us. And we weren't even involved in that because we're not astrologers or mediums. So Daniel says, I got to get some prayer support. Verse 17 and 18 Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Do you have any prayer partners? If you got in your car going home today from church and you were in a major crisis, a big accident, or whatever, and some people were to pass away, or something nasty would happen, who would be the first five people you'd call and say, I need your prayer? And if you don't know who those people are, if you haven't lined them up in advance, I highly recommend that you build a prayer team, a personal prayer team. Every man, every woman needs one before the inevitable crisis because they come in your life. And you'd be surprised. You can get prayers from people that you you know. I know my uh, couple years back, I had a tax, my tax guy who does my taxes. He's done my taxes for 18 years, I believe. 18 years. And his wife is a secretary of a church. And when I went to him, I was the pastor of a sister church nearby. And we had a great report. And he's a great guy. And 
just got along great with him. And so every time I go to do my taxes, it takes hours because we just sit back and chat and talk about life. And I told him what I was going through. And he just said, man, I got to pray for you. And he just started praying for me right there doing my taxes. I'm, you know, paying him a couple hundred bucks to do my taxes. And he's sitting here for 10 minutes praying for me. It was great. I felt wonderful afterwards because you're going to have problems in your life. You're going to face impossible situations and you need prayer support from your friends. You're going to have dark days and you're going to, you're going to get the phone call that changes the direction of your life. Count on it. You need to know who you can call. So who are you going to call? And don't say Ghostbusters because they're not your friends. And if, anyway, he knew immediately. Daniel knew he's going to tell his friends and ask them to start praying. So let me phrase it. Who can you call this afternoon? Who is it that you're close enough to that you've got those five friends? And I'm going through a tough time today. I had a crisis. I'm facing an impossible situation. I need you to be praying for me. By the way, did you notice that verse again? He went home and told his three friends, Ananias, and Mishael, and Azariah, to start praying so that he and his friends, referring to his co-workers, his other advisors, might be spared. Daniel isn't just concerned for his own skin. He's worried about his co-workers. He's not just worried about him getting laid off and murdered. <laughs> He's worried about the whole office getting laid off and killed. <laughs> Those other workers, he calls them their friends. They're probably not his friends. They're not God-fearing people like his three best friends. These are necromancers and sorcerers and astrologers and psychics. All the phony stuff that he doesn't believe in because he believes in God. And Daniel's like, I don't care if I disagree with him. I don't want him to die. That's the mark of a godly person. You're praying for the people in your life who have a different lifestyle than you, who have a different religion than you. And Daniel says, nobody deserves to die over this. They're not my friends. We're not buddy buddy with these other people, but I don't want to see them killed. I want to see them prosper. That's what a godly person does. They they pray not just for themselves, but for the people around them. They're not just worried that I might get laid off. They're worried about the whole office. Ten people might get laid off if this rumor is true. Stuff like that. See, we forget the example of Jesus in his life. Jesus' ministry, who he spent time with, who he focused on. He focused on losers, sinners the degenerates of society. That's who he focused on, people who need him. That's what the gospel is all about, that God sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross, that if we just simply ask him, we're forgiven of our sins, and everything that we've done wrong is gone, and he enters into a relationship with us, and he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can call on him every day, knowing that he loves us, knowing that he's right there for us, knowing that he's prepared a place for us, simply because we've asked him to forgive us, to enter into our lives. Jesus did it all. We don't do hardly anything. We just ask. And so we have to remember, what did he do in his life? Who did he spend time with? Who did he pray for? It wasn't just him and the disciples that he prayed for. He prayed for the generation. He prayed for the people around him. He was touched by their pain and their sufferings. So when asked to do the impossible, remember, number one, don't panic. Ask why. Ask for time to create a solution. Enlist prayer support from your friends because you need it. Then, see, we're on number five. Well, we're going to have to save that one for the next pod because we kind of run out of time. I don't want to talk for 40 minutes here. 
So I, I hope this pod encouraged you and gave you some insight on what to do when asked to do the impossible. God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.